Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees. This podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here in Tennessee Legend Distillery. From country stars and cryptids to everything in between, we will talk about the life in a Tennessee distillery. Welcome back, Legends, to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast. A very special Halloween edition. Because this is Halloween. Spooky time. Spooky time. We are rounding out October, a.k.a. personally my favorite time of the year. Um, For many reasons. One... Halloween, two footballs in the heat of the season, and this last week of October, first week of November, is always beautiful in this area. I would agree as far as the leaves and stuff like that, but my my South Carolina native self uh, is not too fond of this time of year, mm. just because of the the cooler weather is definitely setting in, and uh, when it hits. Here, it by God hits. It, it hits. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have another uh, um, dummy summer come mm-hmm. through yeah. with a couple of days that we get back up uh, closer to the, the it'll be high around, 70s, it'll getting be in the 80s and stuff. We'll have a, a warm That's usually how that works. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the one that I'm waiting for. I love, of course, Christmas time, being with family, being able mm-hmm. to see family. Um, just that time of year. I mean, everybody seems to be, for the most part, a little bit more... Uh, lighthearted and mm-hmm. stuff, but as a a forever fat boy, um, <laughs> Thanksgiving is is definitely one of my yeah. favorites out of the Burr months, um, just because of all the good food that you know we get to enjoy around that time. So I understand that. I understand that. And as always, legends, I am your host, your ghost host, Opie, joined by the managerialist of managers, below. And we are talking the Bell Witch, which is quite possibly the possibly the biggest urban legend to come out of the state of Tennessee. Oh, for sure. Um, just because it does predate Civil War at mm-hmm. this point, it's also one of the because of the fact of how many things are attributed to the Bell Witch. It stands to say that it is the foremost supernatural, paranormal, mm-hmm. urban legend, you know, to exist in the state of Tennessee, even having the battlefield at Chickamauga going yeah. into Chattanooga, hauntings that, that could even be in Graceland if you believe that, you know, Elvis yeah. actually died or or if he didn't and he's still roaming around somewhere. Yeah. Um, but if he did and if he does haunt Graceland, as well as the Orpheum Theater over in West Tennessee, um, this one, of course, comes from Middle Tennessee, closer to the Nashville area, uh, but going further north, uh, upwards towards the border of Kentucky. And, of course, we talked about several of the different happenings, uh, mm-hmm. cryptid spirits, entities from East Tennessee. John Bell, mm-hmm. you know, of what would be the Bell Witch, is the only person who has been attributed on the books as having died as a result of a spirit or an entity. Yeah. Like the the only person in history See, that's written in the books at and, this and point in time. It what, what what really hits me about that back about that fact is because of, you know, really around that time how religion and all that really drove a lot of their beliefs and all that still still that kind of puritan mind was still around they were just so like yeah that's how he died today if you were to try to say brian died because of, because a, of an a, entity a, a witch or a spirit oh, 
Yeah. It'd be all over the place. Lies, fake, stupid, that's not real. The, the skepticism that exists today did not exist back then. So, speaking to the skepticism, it was a situation in doing my research and, and prepping for this episode that whenever the instances first started happening to John Bell and the remainder of the family is that they didn't want to tell anybody from town to begin with just because of the potential skepticism that they would wind up getting. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to be... They were the talk of the town, but they didn't want to be that much more the talk of the town mm-hmm. because of this instance. And then eventually they found somebody that they felt that they could confide in and have them come in to supposedly experience all these things as well. And then, of course, words started getting out, and they started having more and more people coming and staying at the house and stuff like that, even before, you know, uh, John was ultimately killed or died, Mm -hmm. you know, whichever, you know... Whichever thing happened. ...school of thought you, you you know, want to go down. But, yeah, it, it was... The crazy thing is, is if you go down the school of thought of believer, then it is terrifying to think that... The paranormal and all these entities and all that don't just exist, but they can kill you. They can outright murder you. If you go by the skepticism belief, then somebody murdered John Bell. Right. That's the other thought. It's like, okay, well, if this didn't happen, then someone poisoned this man. Right, and what reason would they have to poison him? So, like, immediately they all went to which... Because that was the thing, still at that point in time, pre-Civil yeah. War was that was the thing at, at the time. You Even know, though you're this coming, isn't that far from the witch trials. Still. Yeah, you're you're so. coming out of what would be the American Revolution mm-hmm. for the most point at that point in time. Because one of the stories, one of the quote unquote uh, um, people oh, who yeah. experienced some of this stuff was Andrew Jackson. Yeah, and and this is something that will be discussed a little bit more later. The, the saying goes that Andrew Jackson said that he'd f- rather face the entirety of the British Army than have to deal with the Bell Witch. Mm-hmm. But that was only just from this one, one, perspective. one account. Yeah, one account. Um, and, and the fact that he had become president by this time mm-hmm. is a situation where he couldn't go anywhere without documentation or oh, being yeah. documented or anything like that. And nowhere in his personal journals or anything like that is there any mention of going to the bell household or the bell plantation or whatever the case may be at that time but one thing that really stuck out to me as far as everything surrounding the the bell family is that they originally were well established in north carolina why did they move to tennessee and start everything over again i i ask that to people who move here today Why'd you move to Tennessee? Like, what what drew you here? I mean... And back then, probably cheaper to live, maybe, maybe I mean, you're safer. farther you're farther off the coast. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going further inland, so, I mean, there is the potential for it being cheaper to live. Or maybe by even then, they were like, these hurricanes are just absolutely... Which is entirely a, a, possibility. a possibility, too. So, I mean, even as far inland as eastern north Car- or western north carolina in this capacity mm-hmm. you're still going to get some of the weather and stuff off of that well, i mean heck even here in east tennessee if it's a big enough hurricane on the coast of north carolina we're gonna feel we it. get wind and rain yeah so but i can my- imagine that but i mean that's one thing that i would ask them in if i could today is why why did you right what drew you to adam what's now known as adams tennessee right and and even to this day is still kind of portrayed or still has more of a a uh mayberry feel to it Mm -hmm. as opposed to you know an an updated city yeah it definitely is one of those few cities uh that exist uh, or towns that exist in this state that's almost not completely locked in in time very untouched by by the modern era yeah um like yes you're gonna have you know modern power yes there are going to be some things like having internet available and stuff but they like that. still have farmland yes 
and lots and of it. They don't have tall buildings or or many hotels or so it's almost no. Like, this is still very rural. Yeah, it's very rural still, and it's a shock unless it's a thing in their charter or something that maybe got written like it'll you know the. I, I think it's just more the people pace. of the town. Like, yeah. they just they don't want to make that type of substantial change. They yeah. like the way that things have been. Maybe even grasping or clinging to mm-hmm. a, a time that they remembered that in their minds was a better time than, yeah. than what things are, the way they see things going now. Um, well, and I can even tell you, like, where I'm from, Morristown, Tennessee... I would have called it a town growing up. Right. Now it's a city. It's expanded I, I and grown so much. And there's so much modernization and so many restaurants and, and hotels. And, and it's a hub now. Uh, people stay there now. It's, it's a, a midway point between Bristol and Knoxville. So yeah, they're either staying there to go to the races the next day or to Neyland Stadium the next day. Right. So it's become this metropolitan hub Yes. In between the metropolitans. So it's wild. And, and I semi-applaud them for how long they fought change and modernization. For sure. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, going from Nashville to, to one of the more predominant cities in Kentucky, one of your halfway spots would be Adams, mm-hmm. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it could potentially have become one of those places, but they have just vehemently fought against it. I mean, that it. takes work. It's almost it's just like a natural thing to modernize these days. That, so that's like active mentality of nope, nope, nope. That's that's almost like the town that I'm originally from who, since I have been alive, has not had an actual brick-and-mortar business Wow. inside its limits. And if I'm not mistaken some of the original architecture from the town um, what would have been like the the main storage building as well as the uh, general mercantile general store buildings were torn down and that area was cleared out because someone is anticipating building a restaurant there and this will be the first business in 40 well I'm 42 so in 42 plus years Jeez. that an actual brick and mortar legitimate you know i don't want to necessarily say making a profit but you know a place where people will go and be charged yeah. for a good or service well when you were a kid did, wasn't there like under 100 people yeah in your town well i mean the last time or one of the last times that the census was done of course they usually try to do these things every 10 years so of mm-hmm. course we had the one in 2020 uh, but in the 2010 census, at that point in time, it was listed as having a population of 88 people. That's truly everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Truly. But the thing about it is, with the way that the world has gotten to be, is not everybody did know everybody. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, yeah, there was a, a bulk majority of people, but there were some outliers that mm. would not necessarily be on the edge of what would be town. But, I mean, you could have someone living a couple of doors down from you and not, and, and not actually n- know them know them but I will say that a majority of the people that do reside in the town are descendants of uh, original mm-hmm. inhabitants for the most part and that's the thing that I think also drives the urban legend that is the Bell Witch is that Adams hasn't modernized as much as the rest of the world because the modernization and all this technology and the growth of population can sometimes water down or eventually put out the flame of an urban legend. Right, and because the town, or there are some townsfolk that have figured out that they can make a dollar mm-hmm. off of the area in some capacity, have done something to to do so. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, like there's in Gatlinburg, ghost tours. Yeah, Ghost Tours in Gatlinburg. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the the hotel that Rocky Top was written in as well mm-hmm. as the the most haunted hotel in Gatlinburg. Yes. So, so if they can make a dollar off of this urban legend. Right. By God, you should do it. <laughs> and then the, the, the one, because I've taken one of those tours. Really? From up in Gatlinburg. 
and they actually walk you by the hotel in one point they actually walk you past another building up in Gatlinburg and say oh people have captured orbs or have captured outlines in this particular window and then you got 15 20 people sit there for the next five ten minutes just, just click 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 taking picture after picture after picture trying to potentially catch something that and this is something I, I don't think this is actually a tangent for this. This is just more of a continuation mm. of this thought process. Is that we had, of course, Cousin Timmy, Tim Harkle Road, yes. on the show. And in the one part of his episode, not only did he dive into his world of the actual doing paranormal investigations and stuff like that, but he also dove into the theatrical haunt. Mm-hmm. And not saying that there's anything that's been made as far as a theatrical haunt, yeah, in, in out of what would be the Bell Witch or any place around there, anything like that. But which I think they actually do have some quote unquote haunted houses yeah. and different experiences and stuff like that. And they, you know, if you actually do experience the Bell Witch, this is the type of stuff that you would experience, sort of things. But in the fact that he always talked about the seed being planted well before you know you're you're putting the history out there you're getting the information out there not necessarily in this sense as a form of of control like you know mm-hmm. parents telling their kids you know if you don't eat all your vegetables the bell witch is going to get you if yeah. you don't you know make your bed up in the morning the bell witch is going to come yank the clothes off or your you know your sheets off of you in the middle of the night sort of thing you pull you out by your ankles but I mean, there's so many elements of the Bell Witch and different things like we talked about during the Green Eyes episode that there's Mm -hmm. so many different things that have been attributed to this particular entity, spirit, poltergeist, whatever you want to call it, in that nobody knows exactly what it is, but people are using it as a means to either, you know, discipline their children or to to make a dollar or Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. It's... It's a, it's a it's another form of tourism and commercialism. Or, if you turn around and really look at the lividity of it and the realism of it that has been sold uh, throughout generations and atoms, is that a driving reason why the town doesn't modernize? Is it subconsciously believed by so many outside people that they don't go to Adams? Businesses, people moving. Because, because they would experience these type the of things Bell and we Witch. wouldn't be able to. Is it almost become such a real thing in our history because there's actual a, a statement of death due to a paranormal. Even skeptics are like, ah, but still, even if I don't believe... Right. I'm not going to go live in Adams. Right. Because that's just, you know, what if, you know? (laughs) Like, so has it alone been a driving factor of how Adams has been able to stay so small? And if that type of energy is the type of stuff that, as we've talked about different types of entities and stuff like that, is that energy something that keeps making this particular spirit possibly grow? Mm Mm-hmm. So many questions as far as the the who's, what's, why's, where's, how's. I mean, just go ahead and throw the entire gambit of questions at this one because there are so many things that could lead you to believe things on one side of the spectrum or the other mm-hmm. and a, a myriad of spots in between. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like what today, uh, what you'll, you'll hear later on in our interview uh, is... You know, back then, they didn't have terminology like poltergeist. All they had was the Bible and witches and yeah, demons, demons whatever. and stuff like that. They didn't have... Uh, we couldn't classify it as a class 4 free yeah, roaming vapor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they didn't have, you know, oh, this is a residual haunting, or oh, this is a poltergeist, or oh, yeah. this is an attachment, or oh, this is, you know we're creating it with our our energy right didn't have that stuff back then so the term witch literally was attached to everything was attached to everything and as our guests will later say it's like that's all they had yeah today we would call it a poltergeist yeah the 
harmful spirit or a vengeful spirit or is it is it just energy that we've created over time right because of something else something i don't i don't want to say more nefarious Mm -hmm. because i mean our guest today does touch on you know something that could have potentially happened and what i think could have been a possible reason as to why the family was driven out of or decided to leave north carolina it could be i mean if something was attached to this family yeah, that that had already started manifesting itself before mm-hmm. they made their way over into Tennessee. Or could it be that that someone had gained knowledge of some things that had potentially been happening and, and tried to, you know, help out. Mm-hmm. And then one thing leads to another. Yeah. I don't want yeah, to get into it without, you know, giving away giving away the farm as it were and speaking of farms uh, our guest uh, is actually going to be telling us about some things that happened mm-hmm. uh, throughout their time living in Adams Tennessee um, so yeah we're actually going to take a little bit of a break uh, before we get to the break just want to let you know make sure to follow us on all the different social media platforms Facebook Instagram uh, you can also find us on YouTube but the email address at any point in time if you want to get in contact to it, with us regardless of uh, trying to go through one of the different social media platforms you can always find us on tldtube23 at gmail.com uh, with any questions or anything like that that you may have but like I said don't forget to look for us under Studio 66 on Facebook on Instagram and you'll also be able to find links to not only our website but the online merch store where you can find all sorts of gifts with the holiday season coming up if you have been enjoying the cocky top podcast if you have been enjoying between the two barrels make sure you go on there and you can find the links to our online merch shop and be able to get your uh friend family member whoever you are going to be buying some holiday gifts for this season a shirt a hat uh beanie stickers coffee mugs all that kind of stuff you can find on our website with the not only between two barrels not only cocky top but the 30 and nerdy merch is going to be on there as well so make sure you go check that out we are going like i said going to take a quick moment step away and whenever we come back we are going to be joined by buford from hillbillies in the holler and he is going to be telling you all about his experiences and his thoughts on the bell witch This segment of Between Two Barrels is brought to you by the Smoky Mountain Rainforest Adventures. Located in the heart of the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee near Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge lies the Rainforest Adventures Zoo, which is open year-round with lots to see and do. Themed by one of the nation's finest zoological contractors, a former Animal Kingdom zoologist of Disney World, the Rainforest Adventures Zoo features over 600 live animals representing over 130 species. It is home to unique and beautiful creatures from both tropical and temperate climates alike, including reptiles, birds, mammals, and even the ever-so-popular and exotic axolotl. Book your visit today at rfadventures.com or stop by and see them at 109 NASCAR Drive in Sevierville, Tennessee. And when you do, tell them Tennessee Legend Distillery sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined today by Buford from Hillbillies in the Holler. I'm going to actually give him an opportunity to go ahead and give you all the socials and uh, links and everything out for that. Um, But as you know, we are culminating our month-long tribute to the supernatural of Tennessee uh, with the Bell Witch. So, Buford, I'm going to actually turn it over to you you, and let you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your ties to the family and to the area. Okay. Well, um, as you said, I'm Buford from Hillbillies in the Holler. If you're not already following in the Holler, please do so. 
you can go to uh, YouTube and look up Hillbillies in the Holler. You can also find us on TikTok and um, on the Facebook, and we're all over that inner tube. Uh, and we do sketch comedy. We've got a weekly podcast called the Hillbillies in the Holler podcast, which is on podcast platforms and on YouTube as a video. And then we have... Uh, we do a lot of sketch comedy and we also do travel videos called straight out of Boogertown. And, um, so, uh, but yeah, I used to live before I moved up to the Smokies about 30 years ago, I used to live in Springfield, Tennessee, had a farm there, which my family still has. Um, and, uh, uh, my father's the election commissioner there in, in Robertson County. Um, and uh, so I, I lived there for quite a few years and, and ran a farm and with my family and, and uh, knew uh, a lot about having grown up in that area in, oh, further down towards Nashville. But I knew all about the Bell Witch and heard about it growing up. But once I moved up to Springfield, I actually got to know some bells. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times with urban legends, people always say, well, I heard from a friend. But you never know who that friend is, and you never know what the connection was. And they probably heard it from a friend, from a friend, from a friend. But I actually did have a friend, and he was a descendant of John Bell. And uh, he told me a personal story that actually happened. So this isn't this part isn't urban legend stuff. This isn't I heard it from a friend, from a friend. This one I got from at least the the uh, you know great 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 grandson of the horse's mouth. Um, right, but. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the Bell Witch story, it is a conflagration of a lot of different things. We don't really know exactly what happened or when it happened. We have a lot of great stories. Right. Um, it uh, happened in the early part of the 19th century. The Bell family, as the story goes, were attacked by an unseen force that started out by throwing rocks at the house and then pulling bedclothes off people in the middle of the night and basic poltergeist kind of stuff as we know it today. But of course, back then there was no such word for it. Nobody knew. And so they called it a witch, even though in our way of thinking, it's not a witch. It's not a person right. at all. It's some sort of spirit, um, allegedly, but, uh, the, all the really good stories we have come from uh, uh, the, the book that was written in 1880, which is 60 plus years after the events um, of the story uh, by uh, Ingram um, uh, was the author's name. Uh, but uh, what I was telling my co-host as far as being the quote unquote unofficial Bible of the, the Bell Witch story. Yeah. Ingram's book is basically the, the, the unofficial Bible of the of the story um there is a little bit of uh contemporary documentation there was a journal entry written by a guy coincidentally named john arbell no relation who had gone through port royal which was what the town was called at the time adams tennessee uh back in 1820 and he had heard stories about a girl who uh, had a voice that accompanied her places and this voice wanted her to marry a certain boy. And he at the time, and a lot of people at the time, chalked it up to ventriloquism. Interesting that you have me on the podcast. I was about to say. Because not only do I know a lot about the Bell Witch, but I'm also a professional ventriloquist. It's really funny how a lot of this stuff ties back in uh, because this all, I mean, it, it changed this instance and the stories that grew up around it. Uh, you know, um, I have a, a degree from Belmont University in literature and history. And I, one time I was writing a history paper about who killed John F. Kennedy. And my professor told me afterwards, he, he didn't like the paper very much, didn't give me a great grade. And he told me, he said, as a historian, it doesn't matter who killed Kennedy. What matters is what effect it had on history and on our country. And so from the Bell Witch thing, whether it happened or not, really not important. What is important is how this story has impacted our culture in a lot of ways, because it was this, and it was, and this was not the only instance of some sort of spirit at the time period. This is just the most famous one, but there was, um, ventriloquism goes back to the time of the Bible, if not before that, and it was often used by um, 
priests and priestesses to make the gods speak so that um, they could, you know, interpret the will of the gods. And so the supposition, if you're going from a completely rational, there is no paranormal, is that Betsy Bell and others like her figured out how to do ventriloquism and how to use this voice to trick people around them. And this created, number one, a belief uh, that led to the spiritualism movement, but it also led magicians of the 19th century to go, man, these people are falling for this, and to adapt ventriloquism into their act as a method of contacting the spirits. And then this grew into the modern art of ventriloquism that we have. All of this coming out of stories like Betsy Bell in the early 19th century. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, if you're going to go from a completely rational standpoint, total skeptic, there is no paranormal, that's probably what it was. It was probably a young lady who figured out ventriloquism and was using this to manipulate people in her life. Um, and then as time went on and the telephone game got played, those stories got bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the 1880s, this book was put out that encapsulated seeds of truth and a lot of um, telephone game extrapolation. Like the whole story that's in the book about uh, Andrew Jackson coming to witness the yep. Bell Witch. We have no other documentation of that trip except in that book. Right. Like I had uh, watched a video where a historian said, I've looked through Jackson's journals and I have found no recollection, no entry where he's been. If that time. had happened, you better believe he'd have written about it because the story is probably one of the most dramatic stories in the book. Um, Jackson allegedly is riding up to Adams to see what the whole brouhaha is about. And his wagon wheels stop. The wagon will not go. The horses can't even drag it. It's just stopped. And they take the wheels off, try to figure out what's wrong. And then finally they hear the voice of the witch saying, well, uh, Colonel, I think he was a Colonel at the time, but if you're going to come, just come on. And then the wheels loosened up and they were able to come. And then they get up there and, and they had brought a witch hunter with them, which again was not really a thing at the time. And this wit or not in this type of situation, but this witch hunter supposedly was mouthing off and then his nostrils flared as if someone had stuck their fingers up his nose. And he was led on his tiptoes to the edge of the yard where he was thrown and hit the ground running and ran and no one ever saw him again. Now, does that sound like a great story? Or does that sound like something that really happened? Right. Eh, sounds like a great story. And, th and that's the kind of thing, you know, that like happens in all of these telephone game instances. Man, I knew a guy one time that he tripped and uh, and and busted his toe. And, and, and the next, you know, he got gangrene and died. And then the next time I hear it, it's a man, this guy tripped and his leg fell off and he bled to death. And when this guy tripped and his leg fell off and then an eagle swooped down and carried it away. I mean, it just, it gets bigger and bigger right. each retelling. Now, if we're going to go from a paranormal standpoint that we, that we're going to accept that the paranormal is possible, that there are forces that we cannot reckon with, et cetera. Another great theory that I have heard is that John Bell Sr. was uh, acting inappropriately towards his daughter and coming into her room at night. And the neighbor who had a beef with him had sent her slaves over to throw rocks at the house. And when this happened, it scared John away from the bad things he was doing. And the next time he went to do those bad things, Rocks were thrown at the house, but there was no one outside throwing them. Because as we know in paranormal theory, poltergeists are very often centered around adolescents, especially adolescent girls. Because a poltergeist does all the things that a child does throwing a tantrum. It throws things, it breaks stuff, it all of this stuff. And so the theory behind this is the poltergeist was generated by Betsy's subconscious mind through telekinesis she's unaware that she's even doing it and it and in the stories that you read in the ingram book the spirit apparently hated john bell and hated betsy you know rape victim grief is she's going to hate herself and her father and then it loved her brother and it loved her mother so the spirit acted out all these things that you would expect this uh you know victim of incest to have gone through 
Now, I don't necessarily think that's true. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody who's been dead for 203 years, but um, uh, it's just another theory. And it was put forth in the 2007 film, An American Haunting, with uh, uh, Donald, Donald Sutherland Sutherland. playing yep. John Bell, which was, it was a really good movie. It was, it was well done. Now, the story that I have um, comes from this descendant of... Uh, the uh, Bell family, who um, is, he's passed away now, but uh, I knew him well when I lived there, and, and uh, he personally told me the story. I had heard it through the grapevine, and I went to him and said, okay, is there any truth to this? And he said, yeah, there's truth to it. Um, you know, the spirit disappeared in 1820 when John Bell died. It's the only instance in American history where a person is believed to have had their life taken by a paranormal entity. He supposedly drank something and the witch took uh, his medicine and the witch took uh, uh, credit for it and said, I killed him with his medicine. And um, <clears throat> said she disappeared after that, said she'd come back in seven years. She came back in seven years and uh, then said that, uh, you know, she'd come back years later or whatever. And he said that over time, there's been little things that have happened, nothing major. Uh, but when he was, his mother was uh, in her late 80s or so and bedridden and had to be watched all the time. Somebody was always there caretaking her. So uh, he goes to the store, left his mom alone for just a little while, ran to the store to get something. He came back in and he went to check on his mother. And she said, what were you doing downstairs? He said, well, mom, I've been gone. I ran to the store for a few minutes. And she said, well, somebody was down there doing something with the dishes. And he, and he told me this personally. He said, I went down there and he said, every bit of the China had been taken out of the China cabinet and stacked up on the dining room table, like a house of cards. Mm -hmm. Said, I don't know how anybody did it. And he said it was really hard to take it apart without breaking everything. Because it was bone china, right? Huh? Because it was bone china, right? Bone china, yeah, I was young. Yeah. I, I watched a video this morning of someone telling that story, that exact well, story. I have and that I'm from the horse's mouth. I got that one from the guy it actually happened to. So it's not it's not part of the urban legend. It, it happened. We don't know how it happened. Somebody could have broke in the house. Don't know. But, you know, it, it uh, that one I've got. And, and he actually played his ancestor in a play that they did there in Adams a few years ago. Um, the, that it was the gentleman's name was Carney Bell. He owned the uh, funeral home up there. Um, and in um, a situation in where in that play, they try to have someone from the Bell family as well as the Bats family uh, i don't know if there's any bats is still up there but i i don't know i the i knew bells but i didn't know any bats is but and that's another thing the the whole kate bats thing you know you'll see and this is the, the problem so many people are so sloppy about the way they do these types of stories and so you get you know i'm going to tell what's what's interesting and fascinating but not necessarily what i can prove and that's how these things get out of uh, just get totally out of hand uh, because I was watching a video the other day about it, and they said that the this, the Bell Witch was supposed to be the ghost of Kate Batts. Well, Kate Batts was still alive. <laughs> she wasn't dead. She she lived several years after John uh, Bell died. And so, but you'll see it's just these half-truths and, oh, I heard, or I'm just going to go off of what I think, and it's not, you know, what, what can you document? Right. There's so, and there's even, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it, it is middle Tennessee, especially it is our, uh, it is our, uh, uh, big urban legend. It's the biggest, uh, and probably one of the first, uh, quite frankly, um, because it goes back so far and it's been extrapolated over. So, as so many people have supposedly had instances, there was supposed to have been a story. And again, I've heard this third hand and I've seen it written, but again, not with any real documentation, like it happened to this person on this day at this time. But supposedly there was a woman who worked for the historical uh, commission there who was driving through Adams with her son. And he made a joke about the bell witch. And she said, there's no such thing as the bell witch. And the car died and we're in the middle of the road and they couldn't get it started again. They had to call a tow truck. And when they got it to the shop, it started right up and there was nothing wrong with it. 
actual so uh, uh, influence from the witch or just happenstance coincidence now a guy that uh, i know who's actually a state representative uh, here in tennessee who's a uh, from that area and is an expert on the the story he was he was on a documentary uh a few years back that was on the history channel i think that they did about the bell Edge. And he was standing on the side of the road. I can take you right to the place where he was. I know where he was. And there's in the woods behind him is the old cemetery that John Bell is buried in. Every time he would start talking about the cemetery, the audio was going out. So he'd say, right behind me. And it was, and and they kept going over and over and over again. And, and I talked to him about it afterwards. He said, I don't know what was going on. He said, they've took everything apart, tried to figure out what was wrong, put everything back like it should, and it worked perfectly until he started talking about John Bell's grave, and then it went messy. Again, that's not an urban legend. I've seen that now. Right. You know, where the producers right. just trying to make their documentary a little better? Huh? You know, could be. That's the thing. You cannot get to the truth, unfortunately. They're so... Too much time has gone by. You know, it's like an old cold case murder. You know, you get past... Mm-hmm. A certain amount of time you just never the, the people who were there aren't here anymore you're not going to get to the bottom of it this <laughs> needs to be the sole purpose for time trail yeah just yeah. to be able to go back and <laughs> solve <laughs> mysteries that's one thing that we actually said was it, it, when we are able to invent time travel perfectly having a podcast about going back and witnessing what actually happened Oh, and telling wouldn't the that truth. be amazing? Oh. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing? You go, well, okay. So we went to uh, we went to Constitution Hall there uh, in Philadelphia mm-hmm. on March, uh, I mean, on July the 4th, 1776. And it turns out nobody was there. Nobody was there. No, <laughs> a lot of them had signed it the day before. Yeah. It was yeah. dated July 4th, but yeah. yeah. It was post-dated. Um, we looked, and it doesn't look anything like the painting that's been on the... the yeah, you know, none of them were actually books. dressed that way. It's weird. They were all in shorts. Yeah, and yeah, half of them <laughs> didn't have their powdered wigs on. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, one of the big things today is a lot of, you know, like ghost hunting shows go to the Bell Witch Cave that I guess is close by. It's on the property, yeah. It's on the family property, uh, but it was not. I don't. I don't even know that they used it for even like for cold storage or anything. I don't know. Um, but uh, it is close by, and it's creepy, so it's been latched onto as a part of the story. But yeah, there's nothing about it in any of the books or any of the contemporary reports that are that are there. Um, it just happens to be a cave, and as you probably know, I mean that's right on the border of Kentucky. Kentucky is mostly cave. I mean, that part of the country has just got tons of subterranean mm-hmm. caverns. And so it's not a big deal that there's a cave there at all. Um, now, there is one building that is still standing that was a part of the Bell Farm. And ironically, it was it's one of the slave quarters, which is funny mm-hmm. that of this grand family farm, the only thing that's surviving is one of the most humble buildings. But it sits behind. There's a. There's a. Uh, it used to be a school. It's a uh, uh, antique mall now, I think. But uh, there's a, the the old school building is there, and there's a historic marker out on the road that is the only historic marker in the United States that commemorates a paranormal event, as far as I know. Um, and it tells a very brief version of the the story. But if you drive out behind the school, the cabin is there, and Oh, it's been 25 or more years ago. They were having a Halloween festival there. And um, I was asked to come and tell ghost stories. And we set it up in the log cabin. So we had hay bales on the floor for the children to sit on. And we were standing at one end. And we had put up uh, hurricane lanterns all around the room. So we had a nice firelight and everything. It was cool looking. All right. So we were in there in the afternoon setting everything up, putting the hay bales in and getting everything ready for the kids that night and it was just me and a friend of mine standing there and it was a gray dismal day but there was no wind or anything and the door was about halfway open and i said to my friend just jokingly wouldn't it be funny if that door just slammed shut right now Hmm. and when i said that it moved about an inch and then rocked back to where it had been 
And we looked at each other and went, well, wasn't that fun? And we went back in the school building where the rest of the uh, festival was going on. And then later that night, when they were, we were getting ready to do the storytelling, we went out to light all the lanterns before the kids got out there. So I had a lighter and I lit the, it was a hurricane lamp, you know, with the glass bulb and the little brass, you know, mount the, where the wick is. So I lit it, put the globe on, turned around, lit another one. I turned back around and the wick had gone down on the one I had lit first. So I turned it up and I turned my back to do something else and I came back and it was down again. <laughs> and I thought that's weird. So I turned it back up and I sat and I watched it turn itself back down. And I went, you know what? That's a perfect level of light. I think we'll leave it right there. Yeah. <laughs> and we did, the, we did the storytelling and we got done and it was fun. We had a good time. The next, that was on uh, the 30th. Uh, the next night was Halloween. And, uh, we were over, uh, we had a Halloween party at the home of the people who had organized the festival. And I told that story then I didn't tell anybody about it when it happened. And she said, well, those were my oil lamps and we got them all out and tested them all and they all functioned properly. Hmm. So, <laughs> No, no, that's my own personal little brush with the Bell Witch, only because it happened on the property. But, uh, but right. yeah. Well, Buford, we definitely appreciate you taking some time out of your vacation. Uh, enjoy taking oh. the kids later to House Mouse. Oh, listen, we uh, we have been here for, we got here Saturday. So Sunday we went to the Animal Kingdom, and we had uh, one of my granddaughters who lives here in Florida, came and joined us for that day. And we also had our granddaughter and grandson from Branson. So we had a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old that we're keeping up with. I walked 15,000 plus steps, according to my iPhone. <laughs> Yesterday morning, when I got out of the bed, son, I was stoved up. I could barely move. And we, uh, we went to Hollywood Studios and I walked about 100 yards, and I, I, I said, I'm just going to have to sit down. And they went on to ride Rise of the Resistance without me. And my wife texted me and said, look, if it's going to keep us together as a family, run up front and rent one of them scooters. And so I rented one. I still walked 9,000 steps yesterday, but Ooh. I did rent a scooter for a little while just because I couldn't keep up with them, you know. Right. They, they, they were just moving. And uh, but, so – Today, we're not doing anything all day until we get to the, uh, the, we're going to the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. And then, uh, and then tomorrow we got the whole day off and then we're going to do Thursday, Friday and then be heading home. So yeah, I'm war slap out. <laughs> Quick theater to mind for folks that, you know, aren't going to be able to see, of course. Um, did anyone at any point in time on park give you a, a long look thinking that you may be Jack Black? No, um, but I, I did get uh, mistaken for Jerry Garcia, which is funny because he's dead. Um, I get, well, it is Halloween get, on par. And I also, yeah, um, I, you know, on my show, uh, Straight Out of Boogertown, went to the, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I, I did a bit in there. I was wearing a tie-dyed shirt, and I had a picture, a video of me standing next to a picture of uh, Jerry Garcia. And I said, while we were there, many people re reported seeing the ghost of Jerry Garcia, but I never saw him. And <laughs> I was walking across the crosswalk in New York City earlier this year, and a guy goes, Jerry's dead. We sure are grateful. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm not sure what that means, but okay. The other one I get mistaken for is, uh, uh, believe it or not, Russell Crowe. Okay. If you look at the picture of Russell Crowe now, he's got a he's got a he does. Big old beard he like does. me. Yeah. I just saw. <laughs> I just watched uh, the uh, Pope's Exorcist that he was in. It's a pretty good movie. Pretty good. I have to check that out. I believe well, it's on a Netflix. Lot, man, this has been fun. Y'all, uh, y'all have to come on the the uh, Hillbillies and the Holler podcast sometime. We I'd would love to, to host an episode of you all. Yeah, and you can also uh, visit me on TikTok as Meet Buford. I do Buford's obscure word of the day. And all of October, I was doing phobias. I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much, Buford. You are welcome. And you have you a great have day. A good one. Well, that was a fantastic interview. Absolutely. So many different thought-provoking mm -hmm. statements during this interview. 
and and kudos to to Buford for for um, definitely taking some time out of his family vacation mm-hmm. uh, to hop on it and discuss this with us. Man, just the the potential that that even as a child someone could be using ventriloquism to to start getting some stuff going but then because of some things that were potentially happening to her and while we were hearing this being talked about from a non-spiritual a non-supernatural mm-hmm. perspective with this stuff what are some things that could be happening but then those things those feelings those emotions turning into something supernatural manifesting manifesting into a poltergeist mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think of what we've seen with uh, Fantastic Beasts, making that correlation to Fantastic mm-hmm. Beasts, and the fact that the the male character had had turned into this this Obscurian. very obscu- obscurian yeah. um, because of all the negative stuff that they had had to deal with mm-hmm. uh, in their life, and and this is sort of a a parallel yeah. uh, to that, and and like I said before we you know went to the break and then went through the interview is that that this is something that could have driven them out of North Carolina. Like, somebody found out about this, and, and that's why they were driven out of North Carolina into Tennessee. Okay. And and the, the air quote demons mm-hmm. that followed them or could potentially have followed them, and the reason I'm doing the air quote is not an actual physical manifestation or, or yeah. spiritual manifestation of a demon, but the, the uh, metaphorical yeah. demons that followed them. Uh, especially Bell and, mm-hmm. and how he was doing things, that that then led into the daughter creating in her mind, initially starting as herself, but then potentially creating this entity mm-hmm. out of the, the sheer negative emotion trauma. and trauma that she was having to deal with, spawning so many different things happening, and and wondering now if it's a situation to where almost subconsciously she may have been the one that swapped out whatever medicines yeah. were in there and replaced it with poison. Because, I mean, if you look at it, like I said earlier, if you look at it on a non-parallel level, someone still killed John Bell. Yeah. And that'd be my prime suspect. Right. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it were to be known that, you know, that this man had potentially been doing this stuff mm-hmm. to his daughter, then, you know, she gets to an age to where she's able to to take out her own revenge mm-hmm. but what better way to get people to believe that it oh. was this entity other than you know than to use the excuse that it's a witch absolutely and if you're able to if you've learned at a young age to to use ventriloquism you can you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there's of course some of these other stories and stuff that don't really you know take into some of these things accounts like some of the stories that i had heard or that i had you know read or listened to in doing some research for this episode is that there was a a multiple accounts of an animal-like figure Mm -hmm. according to uh the original bell himself Mm -hmm. that that he witnessed before his health started deteriorating and everything else and that's something else I, I never saw any sort of explanation as far as the exactly what was happening to him. Did his, you know, misdeeds, if that were the case, or his his infidelities, mm-hmm. if that were, you know, to be a thing, did it lead him to catching something that medicine had not basically found a cure for yet? And that was something else that was attributed to you know what I mean? There's just so many I different possibilities, so one, many different things that one it could theory be. Is about the the creature that in his final days he was seeing is it was a hellhound. Yeah, and so yeah, there was so many different things that that these don't take into account. Like but coming if you to get are, him, yeah, like your days are numbered. You're going to hell. But clearly. that's the, but that's the thing is is that his personal conscience creating a, a mm-hmm. fever dream because yep. he is sick. He is ill. Is is that something that his mind is creating mm-hmm. in this in this state of of panic or this state of you know, yeah, I'm dying, uh, I'm feverish, I've got all these weird infections or whatever the case may be. 
And see, and that's the thing that where I stand. Like I am a firm believer in the paranormal because I've had my own experiences. Right. But I'm also not someone who will just chalk everything up to ghost, witch, ghost, ghost yeah. demon. You know, there's so many outliers. You're not. That could, you're not. You're not ZB. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Baggins. Um, uh, not everything is a ghost. Um, you know, the the breath you hear on the EVP could clear also be the person beside you, not knowing that they're they've released a sigh. Because I sigh. Me and my dad do it very audibly apparently and not know we're doing it and yeah, people be like what's wrong nothing you just let out the biggest <sighs> I did yes what's wrong nothing no, seriously nothing it's just something my body does yeah so I am absolutely a firm believer but at the same time there are so many things that it also can be right before we get to the paranormal yes try to eliminate all the things that it could possibly mm-hmm. be before saying this is the one thing that it mm-hmm. eliminate all the possible things that it could be before saying it couldn't be yes you know yeah. exactly um before we head out uh what are your all thoughts let us know do you have your own bell witch stories have you been to adams tennessee are you a non-believer did you watch the movie did you watch american haunting with donald sutherland i remember watching that movie um, I do too, and and some of the things that were portrayed in there. I mean, as far as trying to get all of these stories, and and again, some confusion to try to to sift through, in the fact that some accounts didn't line up with certain things, mm-hmm. and and as we learned in the interview, that that nothing of this actually came out until after the the last remaining direct tie descendant in terms of that would have been alive during that particular point in time had passed away was did this you know john bell journal show up mm-hmm. and and accounts get written down into this book um that that buford was telling us about and that you know if you look up the bell witch i mean it's one of the first things that pops up because, like I had mentioned, this is, quote-unquote, the... the Yeah, this is probably, like, if you were to go through a map... This is the foremost book the on 50s, the subject. If you were to go through a map of all 50 states in our union and were to say, like... Like, we played a game on our, our way home from... Uh, or on our way to Orlando for the Orlando fanboy. Uh, we would name states and what song you associate with that state okay out of all genres out of blah 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 clearly tennessee's was either tennessee waltz or rocky top okay i get that um if you were to do that with paranormal and urban legends okay tennessee's would be the bell, bell witch. witch yeah it, it's just it's our biggest thing so this book for the longest time as you said earlier is the bible for the bell witch right everything that actually happened this is the fact this is Right, because what it was supposedly from mm-hmm. John Bell's journal. All accounts coming from John Bell's journal. But the person who wrote it was also a very good storyteller. Very good. So some things being embellished, some things you know being added. It, and, and like I said in the interview, this is what time travel needs to be invented for. Yeah, so Not for someone to be able to make a profit, no. but for someone to be able to go back in time to learn exactly what happened. So we can correct what yes. would be the... the fallacies or the the incorrectness in in world history and the but, problem is is it would undo it could possibly undo so much and that's what i was about to allude to is to to what sort of horrors would potentially become but the thing about it is is maybe yes you go back and you learn this but where where do you return to to start saying that this is what this knowledge what is happened. now moving forward do does it become a place to where we have become a utopian society what is it they say about a uh, ignorance is bliss ignorance is bliss or or what i was uh i guess getting more to is that the people in this world have finally gotten to a point or there's enough separation but then again i mean the cycle basically starts over again and the fact that you know there's enough people in the world who have 
reached a point in in society to where they don't let history determine the future or determine what their present is and they're looking at it as oh okay this happened we have done everything up to this point now or to get to this point Mm -hmm. now to make sure that that's something that doesn't happen but the human spirit in you know whatever method you want to believe that we were given free will or that we obtain free will or whatever the case may be as far as making decisions yeah. and and the choices that we make that there's a still even in a utopian society that there's still a faction of people that they they don't want to follow what what this new is so yeah as always yes. more questions than actual answers absolutely um, and and i think that that's 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 the great thing about urban legends and ghost stories is the ones that give you more questions than answers because that's what keeps it going keeps it going well one thing that is definitely not an urban legend this is 100 percent grade a usda prime facts is that we have released as of today our newest product this is another partnership product with anthem spirits this is an anthem spirits product produced by tennessee legend distillery and that is the crow black coffee vodka Mm -mm -mm. it is now on the shelves as of today this thing makes a mean espresso martini Mm -hmm. one of the best things that you can make with this thing you can pair it with our pumpkin spice cream heck you can pair it with a majority of our dairy liqueurs here to have a fun quick little cocktail but that is the new Crow Black Coffee Vodka. Make sure to go on social media. Go to Anthem Spirits. Go to Tennessee Legend Distillery. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you give it a like, thumbs up, share it. Whenever you do see it on the social media pages. Because this is an awesome looking bottle. Oh, the graphics so cool. are fantastic. This is one of the, my favorite movies from growing up. In, in seeing Brandon Lee. And one of the first movies that... I got to experience, you know, a tragedy as far as the film filming, yeah. uh, what happened on the film set, and then supposedly a curse <laughs> sprung off of this in that in that trying to do subsequent crow movies or doing anything even during the the remainder of that filming um, things proved to be rather difficult to to get it to print. Yeah. One that has definitely become an even bigger cult classic. Uh, and of course, uh, spawn the the imagery that the stinger, yeah, Sting, uh, Sting used for quite some time uh, in both the WWE or previously, of course, WWF, but founded in uh, WCW. He's still using it today in AEW. Still got that. Paint so he's on. still using the the, using the same the Sting face paint, yeah. going from the original uh, uh, what would be Warrior face mm-hmm. paint. To, yeah, yeah he's to still, the Sting uh, face paint. He's about to have his official retirement match. Retirement match. In AEW, so. Wow. What a career. Four, All, and, and Almost 40 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost 40 years of career, and what he did post-Crow homage is, is leaps and bounds over what he did pre-Crow homage. I mean, oh yes. If you yes, think yes. Sting, very few people think. Remember Surfer the original Surfer Sting, <laughs> you know? yeah. Blonde so, hair, yeah. Uh, the multicolor paint, face yeah. paint, come down to two points on the mm-hmm. cheek. Yeah. Yeah. So the Crow vodka, delicious. Great for this time of year. Cold weather's coming. Use it in your hot coffee, use it in your cold coffee, whatever you like. You can also get it online. Yes, and that's gonna be through uh Keg and Bottle. This one is not going to be a low scotch okay. uh, exclusive. Um, this was actually going to be a keg and bottle exclusive. Um, so once they do get their uh, shipment in over in California for keg and bottle, you will be able to get the Crow Black Coffee Vodka through kegandbottle.com. Uh, in store, uh, it's actually been in for a couple of days. We've been doing a little sneak preview on the sampling and stuff like that. Uh, but it is part of our premium sampling as mm-hmm. of today. We now have almost as many items on the premium sampling as we give you options for doing free tasting that's true so you're definitely going to be able to get a wide variety of products to be able to try coming into any one of the tennessee legend distillery sampling rooms the only one right now that is not doing the premium sampling is it's just because of a really really 
uh, tight quarters and, and they don't have the opportunity to. And that is our Nashville location. But you do still have the opportunity to purchase any of those products from that location. Mm-hmm. Again, those are Anthem Spirit Productions or Anthem Spirit products that are produced by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Um, so you can find any of the Assassin's Creed products still currently available on lovescotch.com and the new crow vodka will be available on keg and bottle guys other than just letting you know we do have a a little bit different holiday schedule coming up on thanksgiving day we will be closing a little bit early we will probably be operating 9 a.m to 6 p.m on thanksgiving day those will be the same hours for christmas eve 9 a.m to 6 p.m we will be closed on christmas day uh, and as far as Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, we are going to be open for our regular hours and maybe staying open an hour later. And then, of course, whenever it gets into uh, New Year's Eve, going into New Year's Day, uh, we will probably be closing at our regular 10 p.m. I don't think we're going to be staying open any later on that evening because we want to give our employees uh, plenty of time to be able to get home to their friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to uh, ring in what would be, and we hope to be, a very prosperous uh, 2024. Absolutely. Other than that, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Thank you for tuning in. Have a very safe and very happy Halloween. And as always, cheers to you. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com where you can find links to all of our different locations as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.